All right, church, let's give a hand for what the Lord's doing here today. Amen. Always love to be here and participating on Baptism Sunday. My encouragement is the same every single time. I hope and I pray that you will never get over what God has done for you and for me. We are continuing in our series called Catalyst. We're walking through the book of Acts, the story of the early church. And what we're focusing in on is how God is a catalyst for change, for transformation, for life, for redemption, for hope, for power, like no other thing is. Today we're going to be talking about what does it look like for us to step into necessary discomfort. Now, I love the the symbol of baptism. I love the act. I love the mystery of it. I love everything that's happening as an individual is saying yes to Jesus, and they are going down with the old life and dying to the old self and being risen to new life. It's not just a cleansing, but it is a peeling away of all the stuff that holds us back and stepping fully into life in the Spirit. Joining into the body of Christ, becoming a part of the church, stepping into mission. But here's what we need to understand is that what happens in the waters of baptism is finished in Jesus, but it is just beginning with us. It's just the start of our journey. We are just getting started that God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. And we want to step fully into that as long as we live on this earth. We want to be living in mission and growing in Him. But let's talk about this thing called growth. See, the problem with growth is that it's not easy. Today I want us to build on a foundational truth uh, that, that really can transform the way we think about pursuing Jesus. And here it is. In order to grow, we experience necessary discomfort. Growth isn't easy. It, it's not the easy path. It's not the straight path. Growth is difficult. And I'm talking about growth in any area of life. If I want to grow physically, if I want to become a healthier person, then I've got to lift some things and push some things and pull some things. I've got to run and jump and I've got to move and I've got to put down the cake and pick up the vegetables. There's some discomfort that has to happen for me to grow physically. If I want to grow mentally, there's some discomfort that has to happen. I've got to study. I've got to read. I've got to learn. I got to go to class. I got to come underneath somebody who knows more than me, which means I have to admit that somebody knows more than me. There's some necessary discomfort that has to happen for me to grow mentally and for me to grow spiritually. There's absolutely some discomfort that has to happen as I die to the old self and raise to new life as an act every single day, an act of submission. To come to God, letting go of control and saying, Lord, my life is yours. In order for me to grow personally and spiritually, a couple of things have to happen. One of the things that has to happen is I've got to acknowledge the areas that need attention. To realize that I don't have it all together in every area of life. Some of us here today or watching online need to realize we don't have it together in any area of life. And we need God to move and take control. We need to realize that there's some things that we got to let go of that are holding us back. 
that we got to be willing to move forward without those things because with them I can't be who I want to be or who God has created me to be. And we've got to be willing to use the tools that God has given us that will help us move forward. But none of this is easy. It requires submission. It requires repentance. It requires acknowledgement that we are in need of God to do something that we can't do. And it requires us to pursue a very real power in our lives. Now, last week, we just barely touched on a guy named Saul. We were talking about the persecution of the church, and we lifted up this guy named Stephen who's teaching and preaching and the religious leaders are offended because the gospel can be offensive and they're offended so they come and they kill Stephen and it says that Saul is watching and giving his stamp of approval on the whole thing. Well, we fast forward in the story to Acts chapter 9, and we find the same guy, Acts, I mean, Saul, now he's heading toward Damascus. He's not just camping out in Jerusalem, but he's going to go to Damascus looking for people to pull out of their homes, to beat them, to arrest them, bring them back to Jerusalem, that they can stand on trial for following this movement called the Way, these followers of Jesus. And as he's heading toward Damascus, it tells us that on the road, he is encountering something incredible. A bright light surrounds him. He's blinded by the light. He falls on his knees and he experiences something that little did he know as he's heading to Damascus was going to change his life forever. So much so that he turned his back on everything that he used to think was so important to follow what he knew to be the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth. So much so that he became a missionary all over the known world, particularly reaching out to the people that no one else would reach out to, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, giving his life that the non-Jews would come to experience salvation in this breaking in of God's kingdom through God's son, Jesus. That as Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just for some, but it was for all who would believe and trust in him. And Paul would take that message regardless of what it would cost him. He was beaten. He was arrested. He was ridiculed. Uh, church history tells us that he gave his life to make this message known to the Gentiles. So much so that we don't even think about Saul as Saul, do we? Right? We think about him, not his Hebrew name, but his Greek name, Paul. And we see this reference in Acts chapter 13 where he begins to be called Paul, recognizing his all-in attitude to bring the gospel to the Gentile people. So much so, this change in him, that much of what we call the New Testament were Paul's letters to the early church. Something happened in Paul's life, in Saul's life, that changed him forever. It was a real power. And in what it was, was an encounter. An encounter with the Son of God, with Jesus of Nazareth. And that's what you and I, if we want to step into growth, step into life, we need as well. We must encounter Jesus. This is where it all begins. 
that the real power happens here. That before God told Saul anything, I want you to go do this, or I want you to live your life this way, the first purpose of God was that Saul would encounter Jesus. That everything followed from that moment, the life that he lived, the mission, the purpose that he had, the, the things that he wrote about in his letters, things like love and joy and hope and peace began to grow in him after this encounter with Jesus. And this is where we begin. We must encounter Jesus. That any program or process of growth is pointing to Jesus. You see, there's some incredible tools that we can use and need to use. Counseling and groups that we can be a part of and ministries that we can join in that will push us forward. But they only push us forward as much as they will point us toward our Savior who will set us free, who will grow life up into us. And so we begin here moving into the life that he's called us to, knowing that it starts and ends with Jesus. And we can have some incredible tools that will help us, but the reason that they help us is because they point us toward our need, realizing that we do have a need for healing, we have a need for growth, we need to have a need for direction, and that it moves us forward in Jesus to realize that God can meet our need, that every need points us to Jesus. And so as we continue to grow, here's what happens. We experience our need. We must experience our need to, to step forward, to realize that for me to grow forward, that there is somewhere for me to go that I have not yet arrived. This is exactly what happened with Saul. Look in chapter 9, Acts chapter 9. This is what we find. The next scripture, there we go. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Blinded by this light, there on his knees, opens up his eyes, sees nothing. See, here's a guy in Saul who of the religious leaders, of the zealous religious people, he was it. He had arrived. If anybody could boast in who he was and what he had done, it was Saul. And he had this idea that he had it all figured out. He had it all together, that he had done everything that he was supposed to do. And here was God meeting with him to say, oh, not quite yet. That there's still a need that you have, that there's a Savior that you don't think you need. And so God had to give Saul a reality check. Just like he does with us. There are times where we need a reality check to realize that there is still a need that I can't meet. There are some things in me that need to happen that I can't do on my own. That I need God to step in and intervene. And God will intervene in your life and mine just like he did Saul's. Now sometimes God will intervene in our lives by stripping away idols. That there are things that we unintentionally put up and above God that we place on the throne of our lives and they become the object, the place of our worship and our devotion and our focus. And God will sometimes pull those things out of our lives. It might be a job. It might be a relationship. It might be our finances. 
It, it might be something that we are, we are a part of. And when that happens, what do we do? We get upset. How could you, God? What are you doing, God? Why would you do this to me? God, what's wrong? What, why, God? Why are you doing this to me? Not realizing that what God is doing is lovingly and graciously, graciously pulling our eyes back to the one true God, our one true hope. Sometimes it's not idols. Sometimes God will remove barriers from our lives. Now, there are things that are just standing in the way between us and the person that God created us to be. It might be lies that we've agreed with long ago. It might be sins that we can't walk away from. It might be patterns of behavior or thinking or feeling or relating to other people that continue to get us caught up in a cycle of pain and, and regret. And we just do it over and over and over again, driven by shame. And there are times where God will step in and he'll intervene and he'll pull these things out of our lives to push us forward into who he's created us to be. And what's that temptation for us every single time we ask, why? Why, God? Why would you do this to me? I, I, I'm not so bad. At least I'm not as bad as that person over there. God, why are you picking on me? And my, my encouragement for us is what, what if maybe just it, the next time God pulls something out of our lives or God allows something to happen in our lives, what if instead of asking why, you and I ask what? God, what are you doing now? Is there an idol? Is there a barrier? Is there something in my life that is keeping me from you and keeping me from the life you want for me? God, what are you doing? And God, what is my next step? God, what do you want me to do? Maybe I need to invite somebody to speak into my life. Maybe I need to seek counseling. Maybe I need to, to pursue Jesus. Maybe I need to repent. Maybe I need to... Get into God's word and, and measure up my life against what God is doing because what I ultimately need is for Jesus to step in and lead and guide and set me free. And here's the beautiful thing about Jesus, why this baptism is so very important. This is not an individual thing. This is a community thing. This is a body of Christ. It's why we don't do this alone. It's why we do this gathered together because it's an initiation into the body that Jesus has joined together. And we realize that we don't do this alone. The way that Jesus so often works is through others. That we need each other. That we depend on each other. And at times, we care for each other. If we're going to continue to grow into the people that God has created us to be, we've got to be willing to receive care. We receive care. This is exactly what happened with Saul. He's on his way to Damascus. He's blinded. He realizes, I'm in desperate need. There's something here that I just cannot fix. And so what does God do? Let's take a look. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. So God has called this man Ananias. He enters into where Saul is. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. 
God had positioned and prepared a man named Ananias to meet the specific need of Saul. That he was the perfect person at the perfect place at the perfect time for God to move in the life of somebody he wanted to shake up. In the life of somebody he wanted to heal. In the life of somebody he wanted to redeem. In the life of somebody he wanted to send out with a mission and a purpose. God said, Ananias, you are part of the plan that I want you to care for Saul. Now sometimes you and I have got to be willing to be the person who will care for somebody else. Now think about the life of Ananias. Ananias knew about this guy named Saul. And he has this talk with God. He's like, wait a minute, God, maybe you have forgotten, but I have not. This is the guy, Saul, who was arresting and beating and persecuting and pulling people out of their homes for following Jesus. Have you forgotten that? What what if he decides he wants to pull me out of my home? Like, am I just supposed to like make myself, here I am, take me to prison? God, have you forgotten who this guy Saul is? And Ananias had some bias. He had some fear that he had to work through. But here's the key. It's because Ananias was willing to work through this and step into the uncomfortable obedience, God prepared him and positioned him to be a blessing. He was able to bless Saul. The Saul got his eyesight back. He was sent into this mission and purpose that God had for him. But even more importantly, don't miss this, Ananias was positioned and prepared to be a blessing for all the people that Saul would one day reach. He was part of a bigger plan than he could have ever possibly imagined. Never underestimate what God is about to do in your life through one person. Through one person, one act of uncomfortable obedience, God might be setting forth a ripple of things that we could never dream that God would do. And one day, I cannot wait that you and I are going to stand before Jesus in heaven and he's going to say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I believe in a moment, we're going to have an understanding of all that God did in and through our lives. Through one act after another of uncomfortable obedience. But that's not the hard part. See, for me, I think the harder part is that sometimes you and I have to be willing to not give care, but receive care. Why is that so hard? Because none of us want to raise our hands and say, hey, I'm messed up. Hey, I'm broken. Hey, I can't figure this out. Hey, I need some help. And not only do we have to be willing to admit that to ourselves, but admit that to another human being so that they can care for us. But this is absolutely critical. This is how God has created us, that we would not get value and worth by mustering it up from within, that it's not about just pulling us up by our bootstraps, but we have need for one another and we have especially need for God who gives us that worth and value that we long for. And God has positioned us that we would be pointed to God by others, that we'd be cared for by God through others, that people would walk through us, that we, we are better together than we are alone. And sometimes we need people to point out those blind spots that we have. Sometimes we need people to speak truth to us, hard truth, but lovingly. 
Sometimes we need people to help us deal with the problems that we're just not equipped to deal with, whether it's just life stuff or emotional stuff or spiritual stuff that people can walk with us. Sometimes, even me as a pastor, I need other people to have faith for me to say, don't give up, that we're still moving forward together. We are made to live our lives together. You see, when we depend on each other, that's, that's not weakness, it's wisdom. Because that's how God has created us to live our lives in and through the church together. And what's so important is what is at stake is our mission and our purpose. When, call, when God called Ananias and when God called Saul and he said, you two need one another, it was not just about the two of them. It was about all that God would do in and through Saul, not just in his lifetime, but for generations to come. That's what was at stake. And we cannot be so small-minded or selfish to think that I don't need anybody and I can figure this out. No, we live our lives together because the purpose and the mission's at stake. And there must come a point where you and I draw a line in the sand and we say it's forward or nothing. I'm stepping over the line. I'm going all in. That there has to come a point if we want to really grow that we choose Jesus. We have to make a choice. We can't just let God be some, you know, Jesus be some good moral teacher, some, you know, wise person. Some, no, he is the son of God. And we've got a choice to make. This is exactly what happened to Saul. Toward the end of chapter 9, we see Saul making a choice. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues. What? That Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who has raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this, this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet, Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Saul made a choice. He went all in. He began to preach and teach. Immediately after this, Saul, he's run out of town by, by the Jewish leaders, by those who didn't want to hear about Jesus being the Messiah. And early on, he understood the cost that this is going to be difficult, that this is going to be painful, that this is going to be uncomfortable, and yet he chose to go all in because that's what Jesus deserves. He is the, the only one who gives us hope, the only one who gives us life, the only one who can give us forgiveness and all that we long for. And so whatever the cost, it is worth it to go all in. And you and I have got to choose that as well. It means that as we choose Jesus, that we're willing to go for mission over preference. That we're willing to engage what is the purpose that Jesus has called me to. It's not to get what I like or what makes me feel comfortable or what I'm familiar with. But I'm going to step in whatever the cost to reach people in the name of Jesus. To love people in the name of Jesus. To care for people in the name of Jesus. To set people free by the name of Jesus. And I'm living whatever that means into that mission. It means that I will choose purpose over pleasure. That every single day we have an opportunity to choose what feels good right now or to choose what will set the mission of God free in and through my life. 
See, every single one of us, whether you're here or you're watching online, all of us are created on purpose and with purpose. God did not make a mistake with you that you are living in the right time and the right place that God wants you to be. And he created you the way you are with all your thoughts and your dispositions and your personality and your experiences so that you be prepared and positioned to live with the purpose to make much of God and to tell other people about the love of Jesus, that they could experience salvation because what Jesus did on the cross, he really did die. He really did rise again. He really did send us out so that we could experience the love of God reunited set free from sin. And so we gotta be willing to choose that purpose over pleasure. And it means that we've gotta choose eternity over what's easy. Yeah, it's easy to take the path of least resistance. Well, I don't wanna have that conversation or I don't wanna speak out there and I don't wanna give that up. And I, I like the way this is. And well, you know, it's, it's not bad for me to do this. It's just a little easier. But what are we giving up? When we're willing to take the easy road instead of the road that Jesus said, no, I want you to step out into the hard places. I want you to love people when it's not easy. I want you to forgive when you're hurting. I want you to walk with that person that continues to live in sin, but they can't find a way out and you might be able to help them find that way out. I want you to speak truth when it's hard, but to speak it with love, which means you gotta build that relationship. It's easy to just distantly stand on doctrine and bullet points and vague truths and say, oh, this, you can't do that, you can't do this, and, and this is the way we're supposed to live without getting into the mess of loving people. But instead, we gotta look at the eternity that's at stake and step into the difficult, into the uncomfortable, into the complex with both the love and the grace and the truth and the power of God, both held together. That's who we are as a church, it's who we're committed to be, it's who God through Christ is calling to be. Full love, full truth held together. That's not easy, but it moves us into eternity with God. So maybe, you're here today, you're watching online and you feel stuck and you're not really sure what to do. You're not really sure how to keep growing. You, maybe you've heard about Jesus or you've said yes to Jesus, but you've kind of got to a place where you've plateaued in life and maybe you're comfortable with that, but growth is never comfortable. Maybe you're not certain about what the next step is and I just wanna encourage you, just bring it back to Jesus. That's where it all starts, is that encounter with Christ, that we realize that there's a God who does for us what we cannot do, who loves us as we are, not as we should be. But the nature of that love is not just to forgive us and wait till one day, but the nature of God's love is that He forgives us and then begins to set us free, and He begins to meddle in our lives because He wants more for us. John's Gospel te tells us that Jesus comes to bring an abundant life, not just a life one day, but a life that begins here now. And so Jesus will meddle in our lives that we can begin to experience that. And it's very uncomfortable. But if we're going to grow, we got to be willing to step into that necessary discomfort. So bring it back to Jesus and then just ask God, what is my next step? 
What's my next step? Maybe I, I need to acknowledge some things that I've held back from God. Maybe I need to strip some things away or ask God to help me strip some things away that are keeping me back. Maybe I need to step into a tool that God can use, whether it's counseling or a, a life group or a class or it, maybe it's a ministry or a mission, or maybe it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Maybe it's repentance and asking somebody to help me walk through some sin. It'll be uncomfortable, but it'll be worth it. And we may not see it in day one, but guess what? You don't start looking in the mirror and seeing those muscles pop after you go to the gym one time. Maybe we do, but you don't see it, right? You don't experience a lifetime of wisdom and knowledge by reading the forward to one book. We've got to take some steps. If you're here today and you're not sure about Jesus, the most important step you will ever take is to encounter him. Maybe you're not sure about it. I just come and see, seek for yourself. God's not intimidated by your search or by your questions, but just come and see who God really is and you will find him. Say yes to him, go all in with him and he will change everything forever. Take all of those parts of your life that you've held back to him and lay them bare toward the redeemer and the savior, the healer that can set you free. And take that next step. So as we all stand together, we're gonna to sing one more song. That's my invitation is that you would prayerfully ask God right now that simple question, what is my next step? God, I want to grow. And I know that the temptation is to choose the easy. But to experience all that you want from me, I'm willing to experience the necessary discomfort. Because on the other side of that is life. What did what did Jesus do? He experienced the greatest of discomfort, given his life. What did Paul say? Paul said, I must be crucified with him so that I can experience resurrection. We step through the discomfort to experience life. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. So let's pray that together. What is my next step? These altar rails are available for you if you'd like to come and pray about anything. Uh, if you'd like for me or Hunter to pray with you, just wave us on over. We'd be glad to do that. But don't miss this opportunity. Holiday weekend and everything and all the plans that you have, just set that aside and say, God, what do you want from me right now? I don't want to miss it. So let's pray and then we'll sing. God, we love you. We praise you. We celebrate you. Thank you for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Thank you for sending Jesus to pursue all of us before we even knew that we needed to be pursued. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the hope of life that comes through the resurrection of Jesus. God, thank you for the plan and the purpose you have for all of us. That you want us to be more like Jesus tomorrow than we are today. That you want to work in and through us that somehow, some way, we can be a blessing to somebody. That we can point somebody toward Jesus. We can point somebody toward eternity. God, that, that we might be in heaven with somebody because what you do or speak or live out through us. How could that be? Thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. Please don't let us stay stagnant fixed in place when you've got an abundant life waiting for us. Let us step into the discomfort to experience all that you have. 
It's in Jesus' powerful and holy name and in the power of your Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.